Hey, what's going on, guys? Today's show is brought to you by our dear, dear, dear friends at the Lucky Guy Bakery, bringing you homemade, handcrafted, delicious brownies using only the freshest, all-natural ingredients. They're not too sweet. They're not too salty. They're just super chocolatey and super delicious. They've got all kinds of brownies for everybody out there. I like the original, but if you're a peanut butter guy, they've got the peanut butter bonanza. If you like oatmeal, they've got that for you. If you're vegan, they've got you covered. If you're gluten-free, they've got you covered. So go to the luckyguybakery.com. Use my promo code PF20. That's P as in peddling, F as in fiction, 20 for 20% off your order. Send yourself some brownies, send them to somebody that you care about, and get some for that significant other in your life. Chocolate makes everyone happy. They have done studies on this. The reaction that people get, particularly women, when they're indulging in some dark chocolate. Give her the chocolate orgasm by going to the Lucky Guy Bakery and using the promo code PF20 for 20% off your order. It's the best of both worlds. You satisfy your girl. You satisfy your sweet tooth. You support the show. And the Lucky Guy Bakery is a fan of the show as well. So everybody wins here. You won't be sorry. Check out the luckyguybakery.com, promo code PF20. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of your favorite ANCAP Libertarian podcast, Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the purveyor of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Happy Friday, everybody. This episode is going to be out kind of a little late. I apologize for that. I got I was in this um, webinar at, at like 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock my time today, because I thought that it was only going to be a one-time thing and they weren't going to provide any recordings or anything like that and ended up going for about two hours and then um and then I watched the sunset for a little bit and I'm finally getting a chance to sit down and record here it's like almost eight o'clock now on Friday night and of course within like 30 minutes of that webinar ending they send me the recording and tell me that I have until tomorrow like morning which you know almost afternoon my time basically noon tomorrow to watch the recording so I wasn't too happy about that because my Friday night is getting uh put on hold a little bit so that I can talk to you fine folks but anyway welcome back how's everybody doing today I don't really have too many announcements to really go over just that next Friday don't forget we will be having our members only supporting listener happy hour Friday and that takes place for anybody that is a supporter of the show has been a supporter of the show in the past 
and we do it at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we sit down and we have a drink uh, or five or six or whatever, and we shoot the breeze a little bit and we watch the sunset here in PV. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. It, it's it's uh, fun for me to get to chat with you guys and you guys get to chat with each other and we can kind of get to know one another better. And if you'd like to become a part of that, all you have to do is go to peddlingfictionpodcast.com and set up a recurring monthly payment to support the show. And it can be as whatever the minimum is. I believe it's a dollar. So if you can donate as little as a dollar every month to our cause here, which helps me promote the show and try to grow our reach, you will be invited to the Friday happy hours that we do every other Friday. And then the other little wrinkle that I'm throwing in as a bonus is that the top 10 contributors to the private Facebook group also get an invite to the happy hour. So what I'm going to do is we have a private Facebook group. If you don't, uh, if you're not a part of that, you can just search for us on Facebook. There are two different pages. So there's the public page and the private page. The private one is the one that's going to ask you three questions to get in, and you'll have to be approved by yours truly or usually Justin. But once you're in, if you're one of the top 10 contributors for the month, you will get an invite to the next happy hour. So I I will check and see who the top 10 are at the end of this month. And I'll I'll probably ask you guys for an email address or something so that I can send you a link to the happy hour. And the link goes out to the email that you set up when you donate to the show. So for those of you that are supporting listeners, the email that you provide me when you uh, donate to the show is the email that I have to send the link to. So I don't, you know, sometimes... I, I do this. I set up like a fake email account that I just every time I sign up for some shit, I just use that stupid email account. And maybe some of you guys are the same way. So if you're wondering, maybe you haven't been getting the the link or something, it's going to that email account. So if that's you, just an FYI. Anyway, that's uh, enough administrative stuff. There's um, there's a lot of uh, interesting things going around the news the the last couple of days. You know, it was kind of a slow week. And then, of course, Joe Biden decided to bomb Syria, and we had the uh, Mr. Potato Head came out to become a, a gender neutral that's going to allow kids cre- to create same-sex families, so I want to talk a little bit about that, and maybe we'll just start with that one, because that is just a great representation of where we are in the world today, and that is, of course the world of fucking complete insanity this is uh, the art the article here mr potato had to become gender neutral to allow kids to create same-sex families the toy giant hasbro has announced that mr potato head will become gender neutral the company is dropping mr from the name in order to design in a move to design a break from traditional gender norms particularly when it comes to potato head families The change will help children create same-sex families and single-parent families as Hasbro seeks to to lean away from representing the traditional family structure. Culture has evolved, says Kimberly Boyd, an SVP and GM at Hasbro. Okay, Uh, I don't think culture has evolved. It's devolved. 
but she says kids want to be able to represent their own experiences. The way the brand currently exists with the Mr. and the Mrs. is limiting when it comes to both gender identity and family structure. The brand's solution is to drop the gendered horrific ti- honorific title uh, altogether. This means the toys don't impose a fixed notion of gender identity or expression, freeing kids to do whatever feels most natural to them. A girl potato might want to wear pants, and a boy potato might want to wear earrings. Hasbro has uh, will also sell boxed sets to that don't present a normative family structure. This approach is clever because it allows kids to project their own ideas about gender, sexuality, and family onto the toy without necessarily off offending parents that have more conservative notions about family. Um, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't understand what this is going to be. like. So they're just going to call it the potato head now? I didn't even really know that this was still a toy that kids played with. Like, this was still a thing. I mean, wasn't this like just... The Mr. Potato Head was just this stupid, boring-ass toy from, like, 1950. <laughs> and I guess they're trying to stay relevant here. But, I mean, can't you just do whatever you want with the Potato Head to begin with? It's not like he's got a huge set of balls hanging. Like, Mr. Potato Head has balls hanging down that, like, indicate his gender. Isn't it just a potato that comes with a bunch of stupid shit that you stick onto it? And can't kids dress them up however they want already? I mean, what what what's stopping them from putting a mustache and a dress on one of them if they want to be so fucking progressive? <laughs> I don't understand what the hell is going on here. I mean, how about we just let these kids use their imagination and do whatever they want with these stupid things? Oh, no, 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 can't have that, right? We can't have kids using their imagination and thinking for themselves, could we? That'd be too dangerous. They might not want to subscribe to this whole 72 gender thing or whatever idea these people have come up with god forbid they should also value the traditional family structure right oh the whore the whore so i mean what's the point of this right besides all the the free advertising and publicity for an irrelevant outdated toy that nobody ever really wanted in the first place i mean who wants a mr potato head or or i guess now just a potato head um, I mean, nobody ever really wanted these things. It was just this dumb idea that stuck around for because, like, I don't know, tradition, I guess. I never had one. I don't think I had one of these growing up. I never wanted one. I can't imagine kids today wanting a Mr. Potato Head. I don't know what the age, like, what age are kids when they're playing with a Mr. Potato Head? Do they have any concept of fucking gender or anything like I mean, this is just so absurd to me. I mean, by the time kids are at the age where you could, uh, you know, where they could have the, the idea that, oh, I want to have a gendered neutral Mr. Potato Head. They're already like playing video games and, and on their smartphones or whatever. Obviously, this is just using a toy to push your agenda onto your kids um, to indoctrinate them into your belief system, to use the toy as just another little anecdote or a little vessel where you're sort of peppering them and pushing the idea that, uh, you know, the traditional family isn't something that should be revered or maybe, you know, let's get rid of this gender identity thing. You know, maybe you want to be gender neutral. So here's a gender neutral toy. I mean, they're acting like these kids are the ones buying the toys. Uh, there's no fucking kids out there asking their parents for gender neutral potato head toys out of the blue. I mean, this is insane. They, they either want a Mr. Potato Head or they don't. 
and they'll ask for it. But they're not going to be like, get me the gender neutral one so that I can, you know, have one with a, a boy with earrings on there or something like that. Uh, this is just so fucking stupid. And more likely, it's just like woke parents that will be pushing this nonsense onto their kids at a really young age. And this will serve as just another tool for the complete for completing their indoctrination. Culture has evolved. This what are we doing here? I mean, seriously, we've we've got I mean, you know, I talked a little bit about this on the the last step, well, a lot about it on the last episode, but I've also been, you know, tweeting about some of this stuff. But we've got beverage companies telling us that we have to be more, uh, have to be less white. We've got razor companies lecturing us on toxic masculinity. I just saw that Oreo cookies came out with the stunning and brave declaration that trans lives matter or trans lives exist or whatever they however they've phrased it something like that um we're getting rid of aunt jemima syrup bottles i mean all this meaningless stupid shit and meanwhile i'm tuning into like the the senate confirmation hearings for biden's assistant secretary of health they're literally having serious conversations like people are asking questions with a straight face as to whether or not we should let prepubescent children undergo undergo tranny surgery i i mean (laughs) what the hell is going on here we have entered into like a cartoonish version of a of our world and you take a look at this trans doctor i mean let's be honest she's not the uh she doesn't quite look like the epitome of health uh you know uh she looks more like a cartoon character i mean this whole thing is like a bad cartoon and if i didn't know any better i'd think i was watching like an snl skit or something making fun of just how ridiculous our society has become and our government and the things that they're focusing on i mean this is all just so bizarre i mean i can't am i the only one that looks at this shit and finds it not only hilarious but just absolutely ridiculous does this not give you pause and think about how stupid this whole government thing is? Like, what are we doing here? Why are, why are a bunch of people sitting up there talking to this transgender doctor, asking her if she's uh, supporting, uh, you know, transitioning kids, like little kids? All right, let's take a quick break and thank one of our other sponsors for today's show, and that is Photo IQ. Guys, you know I've been talking about them for a while. And I've also been talking about building your human capital, investing in yourselves, learning new skills. And I know all of you guys think you take good pictures. Listen, you don't. I've seen your pictures, okay? They, most of them suck, all right? Um, some of us have a, a natural born ability, that, that good eye for photography. I'm one of those people. But even I don't know how to take really good pictures. I, I know what makes a good picture. I don't necessarily know how to execute all the time. And that's where Photo IQ comes in. They're going to give you one of the most advanced online photography courses of its kind, like nothing you've ever taken before. They will help you build an uh, uh, an online portfolio. They'll give you feedback on, on all of your um, all the pictures that you take and everything like that. It's going to be more in depth than just about any anything you take up to the college level. Uh, advanced photography courses and it's going to be far less cheaper you don't have to take out any student loans or anything like that you just got to go to photoiq.co and use my promo code fiction you will get 20% off the order 
So any classes that you order for this guy, right now he's giving you 20% off. He doubled the discount for 2021. Don't miss out on this. I don't know how long the 20% is going to last, so go and get it now. You don't have to take the classes now. You can take them whenever you want. There's no time restriction on this or anything like that. You can take it at your own pace whenever you have time. And he'll give you a money-back guarantee. So you really have nothing to lose. Go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION so they know I sent you and you'll get 20% off your order. All right, let's get back into the show. And this is progress. This is evolution. This is our cultural evolving, our culture evolving. This is progress. This is what we're focusing on. I mean, you, we went from, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident to do you really think we should be allowing children to chop their dicks off? <laughs> this is evolution. This is progress. This is where our attention is right now. Do you have any idea like how fucked we are as a country? The problems we face are so bad that we don't even pretend to talk about them anymore. We they're not even on the outskirts of the conversation. You know, uh, go back to the early um, Obama years, something like that. You'd at least have Republicans talking about like the national, like paying lip service to the debt and the deficit and the national debt and everything like that. And then that just once it got up to like twenty trillion, they just stopped talking about it altogether because it's so obvious that we're fucked and there's nothing they can do about it. And their solution to every problem is to just spend more money. But the national debt is now $28 trillion, okay? And that's just, like I've talked about before, the bonded federal debt. And it's about $224,000 per taxpayer. Any of you taxpayers out there got an extra $224,000 laying around? You want to tack on another $3.3 trillion for state and local debt? That's another ten grand per citizen, not taxpayer, citizen. So every man, woman, and child in the country is on the hook for ten grand for state and local debt. Student debt closing in on $1.8 trillion for all those worthless gender studies degrees that has you know, these brainiacs coming out with ideas like making Mr. Potato Head gender neutral. When it already was gender, it's a fucking potato. I mean, what, what gender does a potato have? It doesn't. You can put the mustache on it or you can leave the mustache off. You could call it Mr. Potato Head. You could call it Mrs. Potato Head. You could call it Zer or Zier or whatever the fuck these idiots want to call themselves. But <laughs> this is just fucking insane. Credit card debt, almost another trillion dollars there. Personal debt, 21 trillion. And I'm, I'm pulling all this from the, the National Debt Clock site, and I think it's a little behind with, with all these numbers. But personal debt is $21 trillion. That means that the, the personal debt per citizen, again, per every man, woman, and child, is on average $64,000. We are tapped out, completely tapped out. The unfunded liabilities of Medicare and Social Security and all the other promises that the government has made in the form of Ponzi schemes is anywhere from 100 to $300 trillion, depending on what numbers you want to use, okay? So, we'll, you know, call it 150, 160 trillion to be generous, okay? That's another $483,000 that every citizen, every man, woman, and child is on the hook for. 483,000 plus, you know, the 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 10 at, at the state and local debt. We are, we've all racked up our own personal debt of, you know, uh 
$40,000 per student, $64,000 per citizen, and $224,000 per taxpayer. Do the math on all of that. The government is spending money like it's going out of style. The M2 money supply, I think, you know, when you hear that, just think money creation, how many, how much money they're creating out of thin air and, you know, putting into the economy. It, it just this last year has gone up by 25%, meaning that 25% of all the money in circulation today was created in just the last year. Okay, we are completely out of control and completely lost our minds if our culture has, is any indication of it. And the, just the discussions that are happening in the public square or you know, at the dinner table or wherever the hell you're talking. I mean, the Fed's balance sheet is going to explode monetizing all this government debt. We've got a tsunami of inflation coming our way. And we're going to have real severe problems in this country. And we're talking about transitioning kids and Mr. Potato Head. The problems that inflation, rampant inflation, and you know, hyperinflation is not out of the question anymore. It, the way we're headed, you know, they've created so much money just in the last year. And once that starts changing hands, and you know, they call that, you know, the velocity of money, right? Because it doesn't matter if they create all this money out of thin air and then it just sits in, you know, under a mattress somewhere. It has to start making its way through the economy to actually have the effect of rising prices. But once that happens, we're going to have some major, major problems. And it's, you know, it's going, we're going to look back on this thing while we're you know, shoveling through the fucking garbage trying to feed our kids and think that we wasted our time trying to create gender-neutral potatoes for them to play with. And you won't even be able to afford potatoes to actually eat. You're not going to be worried about some plastic fake potato. You're going to be trying to find some leftover potatoes in the garbage to give to your kid. Not to play with, but just to sustain their lives for a few more fucking hours. This is the path that we're headed down. This is where we're going. And nobody wants to pump the brakes on this at all. They just want to distract us with all this stupid, meaningless shit. And on top of all that, on top of all those numbers that I just threw at you, and I know that was a lot of numbers, so I apologize for that, but I think you get the gist. This other article I was reading has 27% of all household income in the U.S. now comes from the government, okay? Think about that for a second. Uh, what they're referring to when they say that is you know, personal, they call them personal current transfer payments, which are essentially government-sourced income like unemployment benefits, welfare checks, and, and things like that. In January, that number was $5.78 trillion annualized, which is up nearly $2 trillion from the $3.8 trillion it was in December and is also $2 trillion above the pre-COVID trend where transfer receipts were approximately $3.2 trillion. So this, this means that excluding the, the $2 trillion in annualized surge in government transfers, that personal income, excluding government handouts, actually declined. So uh, people's personal income that doesn't include money coming from the government went down by $22.3 billion. And they're talking about like a recovery and we have a healthy economy. This is all nonsense. We have, you cannot have a country where 27% of household income comes from the government. I mean, this is this is nonsense. This is not how countries function. This is how countries fail. 
Okay, this is unsustainable. Remember that nothing actually comes from the government. Okay, all they can do when the government gives you something, they have to take it from someone else first. Okay, now they can either take it directly from them in the form of taxation or just force, or they can run the printing press and take everyone's purchasing power because the government doesn't produce everything, anything. You have to remember that. 27% of all household income is coming from the government, which means that it's coming out of thin air or it's coming from theft at the threat of violence. And they're not producing anything. The government doesn't create anything. All they do is destroy. They destroy wealth. They don't create it. They squander resources. They destroy lives. Maybe you haven't heard if you've been living under a rock for the last couple of days, or maybe you just don't run in these sort of libertarian anti-war circles that I do, but Joe Biden became the third president in a row to bomb Syria. Now, this, of course, is, like I said, nothing new. He's the third one in a row to do it. We've been bombing Syria since 2014. But with Biden, you know, everything was supposed to be better. You know, we we're going to build back better. It was a fight for the soul of the nation. Apparently, the soul of our nation is just bombing a bunch of innocent fucking people halfway around the world at a place that most Americans can't even find on a map. That's the soul of America, just randomly drone bombing places. And, you know, it's all just bullshit. I mean, something happened in Iraq and they use that as an excuse to bomb Syria. And all, and all you Biden voters out there who were who thought, you know, you're going to get this minimum wage and these two thousand dollar stimulus checks and the government cares about you. No, no. What are, what are they focused on? What are the, the same old shit that they were always focused on? Regime change in Syria. That's their number one priority. Not not your $2,000 stimulus checks, not your $15 minimum wage. That can all wait. We have to bomb these places first. But this is just, uh, uh, there, there's so much to that just drives you crazy about this. But the, the hypocrisy that just on both sides, you know, all of a sudden you're seeing Republicans become these anti-war, you know, anti-bombing Syria talking heads all of a sudden, right? Now they're they're worried about all of these unnecessary, uh, all this unnecessary murder going on in that part of the world. And then you have Democrats who were obviously against the Syrian bombing when Trump was doing it, are, are either silent on this issue or coming out with some idiotic excuse for why Biden had to do this. Even his own press secretary, and this is just Perfect, right? Because in 2017, when Donald Trump bombed Syria, Jen Psaki, is, is that the way you pronounce her name? You know, the, the circle back lady. Um, she has a tweet from 2017 that says, also, what is the legal authority for strikes? Assad is a brutal dictator, but Syria is a sovereign country. And so she's getting, she's taking a lot of heat for that. But just imagine, you know, just another illegal immoral, unconstitutional act. And thank God, you know, we got Biden in, into office so that we could get this return to normalcy, right? And I'm sure, as the, the great Tom Woods pointed out on Twitter, that all of these victims, I think there were at least 22 people killed, I, I believe was the, the most recent figure I heard. I don't know how many were injured, but I, I'm sure it makes the family members of those 22 people killed feel a lot better that Joe Biden is just... How do you put it? Exquisitely polite on Twitter. It was just a great tweet. But I mean, we've been joking about this ever since the um, the camp the the election it, it back in November. It was there were memes of this. You know, the airplanes, the the Bush airplane bombing with with different symbols on it, and then Ob Obama did it with different you know 
uh, hope and change on the missiles or whatever. And then it was Trump with like make America great again. And then it was going to be Biden with like black lives matter and the, the gay flag and all this stuff, you know, all of these meaningless virtue signaling things that, that the, the Democrats are not only like willing to do bend over backwards to do these empty gestures that don't mean anything. They sound really nice. You know, they score you some points with the woke crowd Meanwhile, it's it's business as usual in Washington. We're slaughtering innocent people over in the Middle East. We have presidents with no congressional authority to just to bomb the bejesus out of these countries. Let's take a quick second and thank another sponsor for today's show. And this is, of course, Lorenzotti, Italy. You guys know them well by now. And if you haven't tried their premium Italian coffee, I don't know what you're waiting for. Who doesn't want premium coffee delivered right to their door so that they can pretend in these days of the COVID lockdown that they're sitting in the rolling hills of Tuscany enjoying a delicious cup of coffee, maybe even brewed in some professional brewing, uh, coffee brewing equipment supplied by Lorenzotti Coffee. So if that sounds good to you, do yourself a favor, go to lorenzotti.coffee and use my promo code FICTION so they know that I sent you and you can get 10% off your order. That is lorenzotti.coffee, L-O-R-E as in Edward, N as in Nancy, Z as in Zebra, O-T-T-I.coffee, promo code FICTION for 10% off. Get your days started right with a cup of coffee that tastes like freedom. Go to lorenzotti.coffee promo code fiction all of these wars are unconstitutional the the last time we actually had a declaration of war was world war ii so every war since then all of these the you know they, they call them conflicts now or, or whatever all of these operations we've been doing all of these the drone campaign this is all illegal immoral wars so you know the korean war vietnam uh, desert storm all this stuff has been 100% illegal, unconstitutional, and that's why every president for the last, you know, of uh, my entire lifetime, and even going back before then, you know, should be tried for war crimes. This is, you know, it's, I don't know how much longer we're going to be talking about this, but like, what else can you say about it, really, you know? Uh, it's just absolutely horrible what we're doing. It's like we're putting lipstick on a pig, right? It's, when, when Donald Trump does it, you know, he's he's brash and he's a dick on Twitter. So, yeah, obviously, like when he dropped bombs, it, it's he's being really mean about it. But when, you know, somebody with a silver tongue like Obama does it, uh, it, it seems OK for some reason. Or we turn we, we turn a blind eye. And now that Joe Biden's doing it, it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, he's got the he hired the first, uh, you know, uh, black and whatever VP and Kamala Harris, and he's got this transgendered assistant health secretary. So what, what else do you want? He's got a bunch of women on his board of whatever, you know, every committee's got women on it now. So who cares if he just uh, is slaughtering innocent people over in the Middle East? It, it's just, it's just absolutely disgusting. And I, I, I just I just want it to stop for a, a number of reasons, the least of which is just that so we can stop talking about it. But it's just like, oh, my God, here we go again. He's like a month into his off. Like he couldn't wait more than a month to just start bombing people for no fucking reason. And um, speaking of unconstitutional, the other thing that's been in the news lately 
it keeps popping up. I mean, this is like I, I, every everything I go on to is like just I'm getting bombarded with stories and, and tweets about this, which is the minimum wage. Right. And I know it, it's come up in the last couple of podcasts. But so they had I guess they had what's this this ruling from the Senate parliamentarian, which I didn't even really know what that was or that that was a thing. But apparently they had a, a ruling that disappointed all of the, the Democrats because what the Democrats were trying to do was that they were they were putting in a minimum wage hike into the COVID-19 relief bill. And Elizabeth McDonough, the chief Senate parliamentarian, said that the minimum wage couldn't be part of the package because Democrats are using a budget process known as reconciliation to ram through the bill since virtually all Republicans oppose it. The, the process enables Democrats to pass the package in the Senate with a simple majority, avoiding the typical 60-vote threshold. So, But apparently, that's not going to stop, the uh, even though that their own Senate parliamentarian ruled against them and told them that they can't put this minimum wage hike into this bill. Nancy Pelosi, the House Speaker, and other top Democrats are keeping the minimum wage hike in there. So I guess they can just ignore this parliamentarian rule. So I, I don't know what the hell the point of this is. It's just a suggestion. I, I have to look into a little bit more like what, what happens with this. But the House Democrats believe that the minimum wage hike is necessary. Therefore, this provision will remain in the American Rescue Plan on the floor tomorrow. Democrats in the House are determined to pursue every possible path in the fight for 15 Ooh, they said the word fight. I think they're, you know, inciting violence, uh, inciting an insurrection. But it would be very fitting if this whole thing just came full circle and they ignore this parliamentarian rule. And if they end up just jamming this thing through and keeping it in the bill and ignoring everything, it'd be very fitting because to get the federal minimum wage in the first place, they had to ignore the Constitution and they had to ignore all of these roadblocks that actually made it illegal for the federal government to do that. And so I thought we might talk about that a little bit. The, um, you know, there's, I saw another tweet from that douche on Twitter, uh, Chris Hayes, I think his name is, where he's, he said he'd never heard, uh, he's never seen a compelling or meaningful argument against the minimum wage. And then, you know, I was scrolling through the feed and it was just like, basically, you could get cancer from reading just the idiotic comments in there. But there are like a million compelling arguments against the minimum wage. And I haven't heard one compelling argument for it other than this just emotional plea that says everybody should be paid a living wage, which is just like, what? I mean, what does that even mean? What does living wage mean? Livable, you know, you have to be paid a livable wage. Okay, well, what does that mean? How, how, what kind of life do you get to have? Do you get to live in a, a three-bedroom, two-bath condo? Is, is it on the beach? Do you get, like, to go out to dinner four times a week, three times a week, once a month? Do you get to go to the movie, like, you know, pre-COVID when we could actually do shit? But do you get, like, a Netflix package included in this livable weight? Like, what does that even mean? It's totally fucking subjective bullshit. But the... um. The whole thing is unconstitutional, and I, I thought I might get into that a little bit because that's one angle from the minimum wage that we've never really talked about. At least I don't think I've talked about it, certainly not recently, on the show. 
and but you know everything the government does is basically unconstitutional they're they're given very few and defined that's a direct quote from the you know, James Madison the the father of the constitution you know that document that all of these politicians swore an oath to uphold and defend right that that they pay such lip service to all the powers that are granted to the federal government are just in one section, Article 1, Section 8. Like, that's it. And it's not a very long section. You can probably read it in a couple minutes. And anything listed in there, the federal government can do. Anything not listed in there, they can't do. Okay? And that anything that's not listed is up to the states to decide for themselves. So there's nothing unconstitutional about states implementing their own uh, minimum wage. Any state can do that unless, you know, their state constitution says that they can. I don't know any of the, the state constitutions by heart or anything like that. But on a state level, since the constitu- since the uh, the constitution did not tell them, did not say that the, the states can't set up a minimum wage, they can do it. That That's how the, the constitution works, right? It, it tells the, the, the federal government what it can do, and it tells the states what they can't do. And anything that, that's not mentioned in there is left up to the states to decide, okay? And there is nothing in the Constitution that says the federal government can set wages or set a minimum wage. There's nothing in there even resembling that, it, that by any stretch of the imagination. So you're probably wondering, well, how did we get to the point where we can have a federal uh, minimum wage? If it doesn't say that they can do that in the Constitution, it stands to reason that, well, they shouldn't be. Like, how did we get it in the first place? Well, there's, you know, there's a handful of clauses in the Constitution that really get abused and that have been exploited to render the Constitution completely meaningless and ineffective, and, and which is how we went from the smallest government in the world to the biggest government in the world, right? And one of these clauses is what's called the Commerce Clause, okay? And what the Commerce Clause says is it's, it's like, it's so fucking crazy how they can take one sentence, one simple sentence, and completely pervert the meaning of it. And you end up with this whole fucking, this whole gigantic like it just completely spins out of control. So what the Commerce Clause says is the United States Congress shall have the power to regulate commerce with foreign nations among the several states and with the Indian tribes. That's it. That's the clause. Okay. Now, from that clause, they apparently think that they can set a minimum wage for the entire nation. Now, a bunch of other things, too, that they've used this and they've interpreted this clause to allow them to mean. But what does the Commerce Clause mean? To regulate commerce within with foreign nations and among the several states and the Indian tribes. Okay, so, you know, this is like if you have, you know, companies in different states that are, uh, you know, transferring goods between, you know, Indiana and New York or something like that, they can regulate that commerce, that transaction. So it was a way of, like, keeping... Initially, the, the thought was like, we're going to keep free and open trade and we're not going to have states you know, imposing tariffs on one another and stuff like that. The, the federal government can, uh, can regulate that commerce, make it regular. Hey guys, let's take a quick break and thank one of our other sponsors for today's show. And you know them well as Zipix Toothpicks. Guys, this is the perfect alternative for all you smokers out there. They are nicotine-infused flavored toothpicks that you can enjoy and get your nicotine fix 
from anywhere in the in the country, wherever you are, doesn't matter if you're inside, outside, in a non-smoking area, in a smoking area, with a hot date, doesn't matter. You could pop this toothpick in, chew on it a little bit, get that oral fixation that that some of us need, and also get your nicotine fix at the same time. And nobody's none the wiser. They come in six great different flavors. They got a variety uh, for you to choose from, or you can get the ultimate flavor pack sent directly to you. They're cheaper than any of the over-the-counter nicotine alternatives, the gum, the patch, the... Uh, chewing tobacco, whatever it is, these are going to be cheaper and cleaner than a lot of those other ones and just more convenient. I mean, how how much easier can it get to just pop a toothpick in your mouth for a couple of minutes to get to get your craving satisfied? I can't think of uh, a better way of doing that. So go to zippixtoothpicks.com. That's Z as in zebra, I-P-P-I-X.com. Use my promo code FICTION for 10% off your order, and you can start curbing those nicotine cravings without smoking, without chomping on some gum, without having a big wad of chewing tobacco in your cheek. All you got to do is go to zippixtoothpicks.com, use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and you can pop a toothpick in your mouth whenever you need it to satisfy those cravings. So make sure you go and do that right now. All right, let's get back into the show. That's it. And then, you know, again, for the, the same thing holds true for trade with other foreign nations, right? They can put tariffs and stuff on that. They can regulate that. But it, it's the actual transaction, that the, the commerce that takes place that they can regulate. Now, what they've interpreted this to mean is so unbelievable, the, the leaps that they took, right? So basically what they said was, if you, um, if you are a business that engages in commerce, that, that, uh, then we can, we can regulate you. And we can, you know, we can do any sort of regulation we want, basically. Like there's, the, you know, they talk about few and defined powers in the, you know, in the Constitution. And this is like the exact opposite of that. It's like, well, if you engage in commerce, then we can regulate you. And that, and that's like, we could do the, any regulation we want. And one of these such regulations is the Minimum wage. We're going to set the minimum wage that you can pay your employees because you're engaging in commerce. And this commerce clause says that we can regulate commerce between the states. And so there was a court case. You know, I don't remember what it was or, you know, when it was, but it, it took, you know, it, it got up to the, the Supreme Court, you know, our wise overlords in those robes. The challenge was from a company that was doing business across state lines. They had like customers in other states or something like that. And so, what the what the supreme what the government argued was that because like i said because they were engaging in commerce we're not we don't just get to regulate the commerce the transaction itself you know like the the actual transaction we get to regulate the business because they're engaging in commerce across state lines and the supreme court upheld that ruling and so then fast forward to the the next one the next challenge and it was a company that did not have um, commerce going across state lines. And so when their court case went in front of our, you know, corrupt and uh, just broken judicial system, right? And they said, hey, well, yeah, okay, that company over there, you, you said you could regulate them because they were doing business across state lines. And the Commerce Clause says that you could regulate commerce across state lines. I guess we'll just forget the fact that you you went from regulating the commerce to regulating the businesses themselves. We'll we'll forget that, okay? Because our business, we're not 
doing business across state lines. Everything's from within our state. So we should be exempt from this federal minimum wage. And what the government said was, well, sure, you know, you're not actually sending goods and services across state lines. But do you have, do you use anything in your business that came from another state? And I, I don't even remember what the, the business was, but, you know, it's like I worked in a paint store growing up, right? We had all sorts of fucking products and shit. And I guarantee you they weren't all made in the state of Illinois, right? You get a brush or something that's made in another place, like a, or the, a can of paint that, you know, that comes from another state. And you get it shipped in. But all of our business, we weren't selling paint to people in, you know, Montana. We were selling paint to people in the Chicago land area. And so what the government said is, well, if you're getting items, you know, ingredients or, you know, things that you're selling, uh, if there's anything involved in your product that comes from another state, then that's interstate commerce. And therefore, we can regulate your company. (laughs) And I mean, this is just, I mean, think about how insane that is. If there was just one ingredient in that gallon of paint that came from another state, they, they took that one, remember that one phrase, the, the Congress can regulate commerce among the states, that they could use one ingredient within a gallon of paint that came from, you know, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I'm, I'm selling that gallon of paint in Chicago now, and um, that they've taken that one sentence and completely perverted the meaning of it to allow them to impose a federal minimum wage on my company. Okay, well, fair enough. Let's fast forward to the, you know, the, the next challenge, which came from a farmer. Okay, now this is, this is where you really get to see just how fucking useless the Constitution is and how pointless th- this idea of a limited federal government is because no matter what you do, no matter how clear you you are in writing up the the rules that they must abide by, no matter how many roadblocks you put up for the government to abide by to protect your rights and everything like that, they will find a fucking way to get around it. And because they have a monopoly on everything, right? And and it's a uh, you know, one branch of the government checking the other one, but it's just it's all nonsense, right? This all ends up in the Supreme Court. Well, who nominates the Supreme Court um, justices? The president. And who confirms them? Oh, Congress does. And what does Congress want to do? Like, everybody in Congress wants to pass laws, so they put people in those fucking positions that are going to allow them to pass all these bullshit laws, regardless of whether or not they're constitutional. So, but anyway, the what what happens here is just the most ridiculous thing you could possibly imagine, okay? So, yes... They were originally only supposed to regulate the actual commerce taking place between the states. And they took that to they took a major leap forward saying that if you engage in commerce, then we can regulate your business, your entire business. And there's no limit to any regulation that we could do. We could regulate anything we want regarding your business just because you're engaged in commerce. And then even if you weren't engaged in commerce that was crossing state lines, if you used anything in your business that came from another state. That means that we can pass any regulation on your business that we want. So in walks this farmer, right? And this guy is growing all his own shit. Everything, he grows it himself. He makes it on his own land, his own plot of land. He grows his own corn and and vegetables or whatever. And he sells it locally, only, you know, at local, like a farmer's market or something like that. So he goes in front of the fucking Supreme Court, right? And he's like, look, 
Um, I'm not using anything from other states. I, I grow everything right here. It's all me. I do it all. There's nothing from another state, and I'm not selling it to another state. So there's no fucking way that you can claim the Commerce Clause applies to me here and that I have to abide by your federal minimum wage. Well, the government came, came back, and they argued, and the courts upheld this, that, well, yes, sir, I, I realize that you are doing everything yourself within the state, and you're selling everything within your state. But you see, you by you not selling anything across state lines, by you not engaging in interstate commerce, you are affecting interstate commerce. I'm not I'm not fucking making this up, dude. You guys can look look up these fucking cases. Like this is this is exactly what they fucking said. They said because he wasn't engaging in interstate commerce, he was affecting interstate commerce and therefore they get to fucking regulate him. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. And these corrupt courts upheld it. And that is how you've had, so you've had three challenges to this unconstitutional, they had three opportunities, at least that I know of, to get rid of this unconstitutional law. And they just got more and more ridiculous every time. And just when you think there's no possible fucking justification for what they're doing, and there's no way that you're going to lose this case to the government, boom. Here you go. Well, you're affecting interstate commerce. Yeah, sure. It says that we can, you know, we could regulate interstate commerce, but and you're not engaged in it, but you're affecting it because you're not engaged in it, and, and therefore we can regulate you. Unfucking believable. And there's just no goddamn way. There's just no possible way that the Constitution would have ever been ratified if they knew, if the founders knew, and if the people ratifying the Constitution at the time knew, and everybody alive at the time understood that these few and defined powers that they talked about were actually undefined and unlimited and that they'd just find a workaround for everything, no matter what. I mean, it, it really just is mind-boggling. And nobody even talks about this anymore. You know, it's just a foregone conclusion that they can do this, that we can have a federal minimum wage, that we can drone bomb democracy or whatever into every, every place in the Middle East that we feel like. The, the constitutionality of this never comes up. Nobody talks about it. It's like, you know, it's the same thing as with, you know, the problems with the national debt and everything. We're doing so many things that are unconstitutional that you don't even want to open up that can of worms and talk about it. It's just, I mean, if they actually ruled that that was unconstitutional, then it's like, okay, well, what else is unconstitutional? And it's just about everything the government does, like literally everything. Go read Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, and you will see that there is almost nothing the federal government can do. And that was the whole point. They weren't supposed to be doing anything. It's like they can, you know, they're not even supposed to be loaning money. Think about all the loans that the government is involved in. There's no authority to do that. Student loans, unconstitutional. Um, loaning money to like small businesses and things like that, unconstitutional. They can't guarantee loans either. All this stuff is just uh, uh, printing money. They're not even allowed to do that. And, you know, of course, um, the way they got around that was with the creation of the Federal Reserve. That That's probably the topic of another podcast. But in order to, to get around the fact that they couldn't cr uh, print money, which was actually in the original 
the first draft of the Constitution, and it got struck down because the you know printing money is they called it emitting bills of credit, right? And and that got struck down. They had to take it out. So all the government could do is coin money and coin gold and silver, right? And the way they got around that was they created this private in quotes entity called the Federal Reserve, which really is just another branch of the government. But this private entity can print whatever the fuck it wants because it's not bound by the Constitution. And that, I mean, it just goes to show you that no matter what you do, no matter how many you know safeguards you put in place, this cancer that is government will grow and grow and find a way to get around it and, and find some stupid justification for what they're doing. And then once it's there, you can't get rid of it now. There's so much endless amounts of propaganda that you know people like Chris Hayes has apparently never heard a compelling argument uh, against the minimum wage. Well, apparently he's never listened to this podcast or any number of other libertarian podcasts or anything like. I mean, maybe he's too stupid to find it compelling. But you know, I, I tweeted back at him. I was like, I, I guess you don't find the destruction of American Samoa uh, compelling because the the federal minimum wage completely destroyed that U.S. territory, and it's doing a number on Puerto Rico as well. Uh, but anyway, it's just you know the, the this whole thing is just absolutely insane to me. You know, the Republicans are still you know willing to compromise on this. They just think fifteen is too high, and they they want to do ten or something like that. And it's just you know now all of a sudden. You know, the the Republicans come out and be like, well, this is going to be devastating to small businesses and everything like that. And it's just like, you guys realize you've just been locking down small businesses for the last year, right? Like you've made it illegal for them to operate. You've been arresting them. And now all of a sudden you're concerned that they're going to be hurt by this uh, minimum wage. And I mean, it, it, it is definitely like just the biggest fuck you to a, a small business, especially from the Democrats. But the Republicans were involved in this shit, too. But, I mean, the Democrats are the ones, they're the biggest proponents of these lockdowns that have crushed every small business. I know several. I've talked about the, my favorite ones that have gone out of business since that all this nonsense started, and for no fucking reason. But, you know, they're the ones that want to keep everything locked down for, like, another year or until no one ever gets sick again or something like that. And then they have the gall, like these fucking worthless parasites. They say things like, well, if your business can't afford to pay someone a living wage, you have a bad business and that you shouldn't exist. I mean, that's one of the most common so-called arguments that I hear from these types of people, these you know, politicians like Bernie Sanders or AOC or the, you know, the thread that the Chris Hayes thread I saw on Twitter. They're like, oh, well, if you can't afford to pay them $15 an hour, your business sucks. It's like, uh, okay, well, what business are you fucking running, first of all? And how, what, like, what's wrong with having entry-level positions? There, there's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean your business sucks. Wages are a function of productivity, and certain jobs just don't generate that much productivity, but they're nice to have. They're, they're nice jobs for those people to have. They're nice uh, jobs for people to enjoy. Like, you know, we talked about... You know, go, go get getting your gas, um, going to get gas in like the 1950s, right? And it's like uh, you, you'd pull in and there'd be a guy checking your oil, your tire pressures, washing your windows, pumping your gas. You wouldn't have to get out of your car. And you'd get like this, you know, oh, oh, like a 10-point inspection or something. And it wouldn't cost you anything. And you just tip those guys. And, I mean, they worked off of tips mostly. Now no, no, we have nothing like that. We got to pump our own gas, we got to wash our own windows, check our own tire pressure, check our own oil, get out of the fucking car in the freezing cold. Uh, you know, that was a nice convenience that the the minimum wage destroyed. 
same thing with like grocery stores and things like that. You know, we're bagging our own groceries. We're actually scanning our own groceries. You know, that Bill Burr, he does that bit about like just the balls of the fucking store owner that says like, you go in there, you pick out your items, you scan them, you bag them, you give me the money and then you get the fuck out of here or something like that. That's all because of the minimum wage. So now, you know, we basically become like part time grocery store employees. We're scanning items ourselves. We're bagging them ourselves. We're carrying them out to our car. There used to be people to do that. I mean, the list goes on and on about how destructive the the minimum wage has been. And just this whole living wage thing is just, it really just drives me crazy because it's, they never define it. It's like the whole pay your fair share thing. And oh, oh, you know, one of the other things that I was was thinking about was a, a really good point. I heard somebody made, I can't remember, fuck, I'd like to give them credit, but you know, we go to like these fast food places and things like that. You know, liberals are all up in arms about using plastic stuff, right? These plastic containers, these plastic forks, it's wasteful. There's all this garbage and they're ending up in the ocean and everything like that. Well, why do you think we have all of these plastic plates and forks and boxes that things come in? And why, why won't they give us a plate with like an actual dish with a, a, a metal knife and fork? Well, it's because they, they don't want to pay a dishwasher the federal minimum wage. They can't afford to do that. It, it's not profitable for them to do that. And so instead of instead of being able to enjoy a meal with a, a, a plate and a fork that, that's actually reusable, um, and then they would have a dishwasher wash them, well, they fired the dishwasher, they got rid of the dishwashing station, and they just bought a bunch of plastic shit. And now then we have to deal with that. It creates a whole other problem. I mean... This whole thing is just absolutely out of control. It's unconstitutional. It's the you know the dumbest economic policy I could probably think of, and we've gone into that at length before. So I, I won't you know, berate it too much. Let uh, too much more than that. You guys will just have to go back and listen to prior episodes. I know I did one way back when with with Johnny the Jew when we were still doing the Jew and the Gentile episode uh, so go, you can go check that out where we kind of argue because he was he was sort of for it and I was against it so uh, we might have had a little debate I don't know it was a while ago but you guys can go check that out if you want I'm gonna wrap there guys it's uh, Friday night so enjoy your weekend I'll try to get this episode out in the next uh, no, as soon as I can it takes a while to upload this stuff and everything but don't forget to follow me on Twitter at pedal fiction. Um, I'm still, I'm still looking to pump those numbers up. So I know I always ask at the end of this thing that you guys do a bunch of things for me. I've only been asking that you follow me on Twitter. So just go do that. It's, I don't think it's a big ask and it would really mean a lot to me. So just go, go to Twitter, find at, at pedal fiction is the handle and give me a follow. I don't even care if you engage with me or whatever, just, uh, give me the follow so that I can get these numbers up and start looking like, one of these big boy podcasts that actually has the the following that I do. You know, my listenership is is much bigger than my my Twitter following, and I'd like to get that get those more in line with each other. So please go do that for me, and I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill: just keep on pedaling that so called fiction. Peace.